0: But if they want to be a technician and work in an industry where products are growing and an exciting thing about being innovative, this is absolutely a core competency they're going to have to get.
1: From the Center for Occupational Research and Development, welcome to Preparing Technicians for the Future of Work. I'm your host, Mike Lasecki. In each podcast, we'll reach out to the people who are actually on the front line of the future of work and hear what they have to say. That means interviews with industry leaders, working technicians, and forward thinkers in the field. In every episode, we will suggest action that you can take. We want to inspire you to take that action. This podcast is brought to you by the Center for Occupational Research and Development, known as CORD with financial support by a grant from the National Science Foundation's Advanced Technological Education Program. Opinions expressed in the podcast do not necessarily represent those of the National Science Foundation. You can find out more about our project and our approach at preparingtechnicians.org. Our topic today is digital twins. Let's get right to the interview. We're very pleased to have with us today, Jerry Darren. He's the Vice President for Academic Enablement at Siemens. Jerry, that's a fascinating title, Academic Enablement. What does that mean? What do you actually do? So Mike, one of the things that we
0: have found as a company is a real challenge and a trend in the industry today where companies are really trying to fill the gap that's being left by what they call the "gray Tsunami, meaning a lot of people who are in the ages of over 50 years old retiring. There's a huge need for talent to come up and fill a lot of those slots, and with the direction of competition, companies just can't wait to go through the normal chain. So they've looked out to us to help train them in technology's perspective in order to help get them ready and capable and connected to the industry so that they can get jobs much quicker.
1: How long have you been at Siemens, Jerry? It's something like 20 years, right? Yeah, it's a little more than that. 23 years coming up here in about a month. All right. Let's get started with our topic for today. I was at a meeting recently, and Jerry, I swear nine of the 10 people were unfamiliar with the concept of the digital twin. So I thought maybe we could start and have you give us an overview of what is a digital twin? How is it used? What is this thing?
0: so that's a great question mike
1: and by the way that's a comment that i hear a lot also
0: there's a couple of different terms that actually come up with digital twin you'll hear digital thread digitalization and uh, digital transformation but what it really comes down to is this and i'll start by giving you the wikipedia definition but says that a digital twin is a digital replica of a living or non-living physical entity probably a better way to look at it is this if you were to look in a mirror That mirror image is something which should be an exact duplicate, granted you have the right kind of a mirror. We're talking about a real part that was developed using CAD tools or visualization tools. So you may have seen some pictures on TV or in different places where you have a wireframe model of an airplane or a car or a medical device of sort and right next to it is the real part. So technology has allowed people who are building and developing things to do it in virtual space, the digital space, and then be able to take from that exact duplicate and build the part. That's basically
1: the premise and the
0: foundation of the
1: digital twin. Interesting. What motivates this? I know Siemens and other companies are really into it. What's the driver behind doing this? That's another good question.
0: I did recently come out of a role that was business development where I was an engineer turned bean counter. And what bean counter meant was companies themselves are looking for ways to get a competitive advantage. Things like improving end to end information flow and teamwork. The time to market is an example when I worked in automotive many, many years ago was close to six years. Today, it's a little bit more than a year. So that's cycle time reduction. They're looking to reduce costs. They're trying to impact the bottom line from an ROI perspective. But more importantly, in a lot of cases with technology today and the complexity, you only get one chance to do it right. And so quality is a big, big issue for them. So really, there's a number of business issues that companies are going through, and they see the ability to save a lot of money by not building the prototypes of old but also being able to share information from the beginning of the design cycle all the way through manufacturing and actually putting
1: a product to bed when it's done with its use time. That just made me think of something, Jerry. Do you ever share the twin with your customers? All the time. As a matter of
0: fact, one of the things that the digital world has brought us is the ability to get online and take a look at neutral renderings and being able to share and have multiple customers all looking at something or pieces and parts all at the same time. As i mentioned i came out of automotive and years ago we call those design reviews today with the digital twin they're able to put it up on a screen stay home across the world different global entities and see if it's right more importantly when you start looking again downstream into the manufacturing parts you can now simulate the manufacturing of that part make a change and see what conflict it might
1: have so now the collaboration between manufacturing engineering has actually gotten a lot better too interesting I want to make sure I've got this right. Many of us are familiar with, as you mentioned, CAD drawings, wireframe things, but this is more than that, right? It actually simulates the performance of the part that we're doing. That's, as I understand it, one of the unique aspects. That's exactly right. Our perspective in looking at the digital twin, and again, you
0: hear a lot of different people talk about it, digital twin is not just design. Digital twin in our world is manufacturing, it's performance It's taking a look at the specification or the requirements of the product that you're trying to build. It's modeling it in that CAD tool, but also I'll use the word annotating or actually making definition to meet the requirements and the execution of that product when it's into its uh, useful life. So if you're taking a look at a car, and I like to pick on salespeople sometimes, I'll say when you're driving that Ferrari, is it really going 150 miles an hour like the specification said? And how would you know that? So with today's technology, not only the modeling and the development of this digital twin, but the ability to analyze and simulate using those types of requirements is really what the digital twin brings into the table also. So now you can actually see what happens to a vehicle, as an example, if it hits a wall or an airplane if it's low on fuel. One of the things that a lot of the people in Aero and Auto are looking at is weight. And weight plays a huge role. So they're able to simulate those types of things now. And that all comes back to how they define the definition of what that digital twin is all about and what it's supposed to do.
1: Interesting. Where in the product lifecycle does the digital twin appear or is it just at the design phase or early manufacturing? or Where does it appear throughout the product lifecycle? Actually, it appears throughout the entire lifecycle. And, and
0: again, I mentioned digital thread earlier. When you start to define a product through, we'll call it a value chain, which is something I learned many, many years ago, you come up with a concept and then you get to feasibility, design, test, manufacture. That representation in a digital format is used from the beginning of life and should be used as a check and balance all the way through manufacturing. So are we manufacturing and do we design the product properly to manufacture it properly? So it's actually relevant throughout the entire life cycle from beginning to end. Actually, you bring up a good point because many people think it's in a silo in design. And then, you know, you throw it over the wall and manufacturing. And actually, that's not true. People re-engineer, redesign. They may not be up to date on the latest version or change that was made. And even manufacturing change that they make did ever get reflected back into the design cycle. So prolific and throughout the entire life cycle is probably the best answer.
1: You know, Jerry, I was doing some background reading. I think the building industry uses this thing as well, don't they?
0: Absolutely. They have gone through a great element of, I'll say maturing, probably good word for it. And, and that part of it is by seeing and, and trying to again simulate and model in virtual space, their buildings. Running routes such as piping for HVAC, running different things like security systems and whatever. It's really, if you think about most any product, you can apply the digital twin to just about everything, including glue. (laughs) So, yes, they've picked it up and they're running with it and they can simulate a building and they don't have to worry about all the inspections. In fact, some have even gone to having inspections done for the actual CAD and from some of the certified documentation. That's the output of the digital twin.
1: I suppose I'm just thinking out loud as you come out with the next version of whatever product it is, the twin will help you decide the best way of doing that as well, I guess. That's true. You're still going to have tooling. You're still going to
0: have machine tools and different things that are going to help you with that new product. But the question is, is it a new generation of something that you're modifying or is it really something that's brand new? The world, okay, and and again, I've been at it for quite a few years is really all about improving on something that you've had before even when you start from a scratch piece of paper so a lot of people will talk about a brand new design they'll talk about something that's a brand new feature well but they're typically putting on something old so reuse of something old but being able to test it virtually test it multiple times without building any prototypes which is a very time-consuming and costly endeavor Uh, really, really helps them out. So, yeah, moving into the future, you're going to see more and more. And and we believe we're just scratching the surface. We're taking a look at the way people are starting to develop things and their expectations, the families of things, try to elongate life, uh, personal life, as well as the life of a product.
1: And that plays a big role in this. Interesting. Fascinating stuff, Jerry. In our project, we're focused on preparing technicians for the future of work. So what do technicians need to know now and in the near future about digital twins? How do they prepare for that workplace that they're entering soon? Most of today's
0: kids and most of the people moving into this are not afraid of technology. So I think the first thing I would suggest is not be afraid of technology because it is the future. It's the current and it's going to be even more into the future. So being able to look at digital and understand what digital means, that's very important. The old world and there's a lot of companies struggling with this digital transformation. They're moving from paper to digital, but digital is where it's at. So as you look at an iPad, you take a look at a tablet, CAD system, most everything, even your watch today is all digital. So understand what that really means. Then kind of start opening your mind up to well, how can I define that digital object? Be it a watch most watches today are basically smartphones to some extent they have got all kinds of things on them that allow you to watch your heartbeat take a look at your blood pressure do all kinds of things those are all defining elements within a digital world on that watch and so when you think about a technician and you think about the work they're going to need to do in the shop be it on a shop floor be it in a machine whatever how was the product they're working on really defined and what information can be gained from that digital object well that'll help them do their job better so that's one part of just understanding the digital understand how you can leverage it and move forward but there's another thing that i think is important also how do you then take and look for ways of improvement everybody wants to improve companies are really looking for getting again that next competitive advantage technicians are critical to the element they're critical to the design and to the product development lifecycle. and if they come across and have better ideas inventions, innovations, and things like that, that's another piece of it. So learn it, embrace it, and really help them grow with it and leverage it. If I were to coach a number of people who were
1: technicians, I would really kind of give them that direction. That's good advice, Jerry. What happens if they don't do this? Is there going to be a place for them in the workforce? The answer is no,
0: not as a technician anyway, and not in a growing company. There are people who are always going to be laborers that I'll say probably are non-educated, and people will fall into that like when they try to interview for a job at any company today in the direction it's going into. Digital capability, ability to work within, I'll say, even Microsoft tools is a critical piece or criteria and a filter for them to even get selected. For those that want to stay in the paper-based world, people will have a job, okay? There's going to be food service and things like that. But if they want to be a technician and work in an industry where products are growing and an exciting thing about being innovative, this is absolutely a core competency they're going to have to get.
1: Perfect. So as I understand what you're saying, I should, number one, not be afraid of the digital aspects of technology, and many young people is just part of their life, so that's not too difficult. But number two, as they look at an object, think about it as information they can get from it in a digital sense. And then number three, be willing to contribute their own ideas to moving concepts like digital and moving that forward. I think those are some of the three main things you said, right? That's correct.
0: You said something, Mike, just a second ago that also triggered another thought. I mentioned STEM earlier. There's a tremendous amount of competitions that are out there today. Things like FIRST Robotics. And FIRST Robotics is targeted at junior high and high schools where these kits on building a robot and coding it, having it go off and compete with others, like you've probably seen BattleBots and whatever. Well, that's a reality and it's a global competition. There's future cities, and these things are looking at how do you design the city of the future. Now, I only bring those up because you said earlier, you asked about what if they don't gravitate to it? Well, there's going to be a competition for jobs. And if they don't, these young kids, these high school kids are the ones that are going to take the job. So learning from them, watching from them, learning to be innovative and outgoing, I think is maybe the 3.5 to the 3 you mentioned, and really having fun with it. But again, understanding how can they compete? How can they be better than everybody else? But it's a real thing, it's really out there and there's a lot of opportunity. As I mentioned earlier, we're in a negative birth rate here in the United States as an example. And with the people who are retiring, there's ample amount of jobs in all different pieces and parts. And this happens to be a core element to what people are looking for. So find a place to fit in,
1: it'll be there. Good advice, Jerry. As we wrap up today, I think helping things like this move forward really takes collaboration between the industry side, people like yourself who are really committed to this, and the academic side who can think about modifying programs, helping students being aware of these things. So thank you. I really appreciate your being part of this today. I appreciate it. I had a lot of fun. Got a passion for it, so love to do it anytime. It's clear you do Jerry. Okay, thank you again, and I'll talk to you. Bye. Thanks, Mike. Today, we discovered a digital twin is a virtual model of a part or a process, a model that can be used not only to design but also to predict performance, to judge the impact of product changes, and even to discover how a product or a building will perform under different conditions. Here's your action for today. Go home, and at dinner tonight, tell your partner, your friends, your kids, call your mother, whatever you're going to do, Explain to them what a digital twin is. Say, here's what I learned today. You could make a joke to your spouse if you wanted to and say, honey, we're having twins. Sorry for that bad joke. Anyhow, to help your own understanding, we have two web references in the show notes. Take the action. Click on those references and discover for yourself. As always, find our podcasts on preparingtechnicians.org or subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Google Play. Rating and review are always appreciated. Our series is produced by John Chamberlain at CORD. Thanks, John. Our project is led by Anne-Claire Anderson at CORD. Thanks, Anne-Claire. And thank you, our listeners, for preparing technicians for the future of work.